We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. to try a long one there that was pretty good that was a pretty good one for casual fridays here on the dfs pregame show this is um this is where we go over yesterday's slate a bit three games let's see let's how much can we talk about a three-game slate uh talk a little bit about uh today's slate which as always it's what nine games who knows what's gonna happen we'll go we'll look through some some stuff uh i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd you can follow me there on twitter and uh, if you, it's casual Friday, so casual, casual chat time in the YouTube chat. I got my, you know, I got my apple juice going, right? We got some more apple juice yesterday. It's back with the Minute Maid apple juice, not the mango crap. So if you want to keep my apple juice cold, you're going to hit the thumbs up button, okay? I opened this a while ago. So, I mean, I've, I've been sitting here for like 40 minutes. Still pretty good, but you want to keep it cold. Hit the thummy thumbs. Hit those thummy thumbs in the chat. I see the chat people. DJ Cicero, Jupocalypse, Daniel Hutchins, Trey McRae, Shane Newman, Jamar Simmons, Hog Lawrence, Jamar, Gerald Miller, Jason Robinson, and everyone that joins me in the morning of my nor- I'm normal routine. My normal routine. I'm going 
going to results DB, seeing anything interesting. Three game slate yesterday. I don't know. I mean, we got we got some. Uh, the the late news was uh, was with uh, Dennis Schroeder, 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 Schroeder. He's German, so it really should Schroeder. Uh, so he was going to play for the Lakers, and then we got like. Myth, like kind of mystifying, like maybe Rashawn Holmes is going to play. Like Luke Walton, I don't know what he's thinking, right? Originally, he was just ruled out. And then it's like, well, he's going to warm up and maybe he'll play. So that kind of threw a wrench into that for, for a second uh, until he was actually ruled out. And then like Lowry was ruled out before, before I mean, like two hours before lock. So we were able to prepare for that. So you have, you know, Fran, uh, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Bembry got the start. He didn't do all that much. He got 13 and a half points. But uh, most of the constructions with the value that we had on DraftKings, you could you you could have played uh, double stud lineups. Most likely you played LeBron and Giannis. And if you didn't do both, then you could kind of go down the middle, right? You could play a Van Vliet Siakam type lineup with Middleton, Kyrie Irving. Seemed like the Brooklyn guys were less owned like Harden and Irving, although they were owned enough. It's a three-game slate, so you know, you get some ownership. The main the main thing that happened with the the Schroeder, the Schroeder, the Schroeder, the Schroeder news, it should rhyme with news, right? News, Schroeder, Schroeder, okay, is that you didn't have to play, you didn't have to play Corey Joseph anymore. <laughs> that was the main, that was the main thing, because like with, uh, with Holmes out and Barnes out, like, Corey Joseph was going to start and kind of like, he'll, he'll be there, right? He'll, he'll be out there doing, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be on the court. Uh, I mean, he ended up still being 29% owned, but you see here with the, a lot of the, the sharper players that I brought up for the 150 max fadeaway last night, like that was that was the main sacrifice of once, once Schroeder, 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 once Schroeder was out, um, because we had the two late games. So you had the early game. So everyone, if you play Bembry for value, like he's stuck in your lineup, right? We have Bembry here, 13 and a half points. Like you were lucky, like RBX 88 and Mr. Goodseat's lucky. He didn't have any of them. But you, got, you had him stuck in some lineup because he'd rather go to a, to a Caruso or a, a, a KCP. I mean, he didn't get there. I mean, neither of them really got there. A Caruso, I guess. I mean, 17 points, eh, right? Or Connington, some people play Connington early. Most of the constructions were stars and scrubs. Most of the constructions were LeBron, Giannis, and you figured out from there. And then Whiteside was the chalk. And well, I mean, they, they blew him out. They were blowouts. And then he didn't, then Bagley did really well. So you kind of needed Bagley. I mean, what was the winning lineup here? Let's see. Yeah, you needed Bagley. You need Bielitsa. I mean, that was the main swap. That was that was by far the main the main swap. Like we could see here with Bielitsa, like across the board, across the board. This is when you see when you see uh, percentages like this across the board. This is this is the this is a jam it in at all costs type of type of thing for late swap. Bielitsa is actually a good point per minute producer when he's on when he plays. The problem is when does he play? So with Barnes out and Holmes out, and when they started Bielitsa and Bagley, you have to figure that's good. That's good for Whiteside, but they played they played small a lot. So Bielitsa forty three points. You needed Bar- Bielitsa and Bagley. 
in that case. But once you saw that starting lineup, where's what? Fox, Joseph, Heald, Bielitsa Bagley was something like that, right? Or Glenn Robinson started, right? Who knows? I don't remember. But once you saw that, you knew that, okay, Bielitsa is actually going to play. He was actually going to get what, tw- at least 24 minutes, right? Or something like that. But it was cheap. So, yeah, I, I could I could see that the winning lineup. He got, I mean, he still, he still, he still had the winning lineup, still had Corey Joseph in it. So he had LeBron at 51 points. Pascal Siakam at 40, 48. Jimmy Butler at 50. Right? This was, this was, this was a balanced build. And you could see outside of Kelly O., who obviously did well. Glad I had him on FanDuel. Like the, the, the ownership is pretty high, pretty chalky. The next lineup, see Giannis, Giannis Butler. So Butler's 8,800. So a little bit, a little bit more balanced, but still Corey Joseph, Duncan Robinson, Bagley, Bielitsa. Next lineup. Very similar, Giannis, Siakam, Butler. So balanced, but not not the LeBron Giannis lineup. Is, can we get the first? Where's the first LeBron Giannis lineup? Because that was that was the that was the chalk construction. So where's the first? I mean, we have to go through here. It's easy to see with Giannis because Giannis's name is long. Here we go, Giannis. Giannis still not still not LeBron. Giannis, so let's go. Giannis, no. Here you go. Uh, no, no, that's LeBron only. I guess it's going to take a while. Yeah, if you if you didn't make a Giannis LeBron lineup, looks like you couldn't have gotten the top. Uh, you couldn't. Oh, here you go. Here we go. The first one by Shaku Shaku, whoever that is. Crusoe hero LeBron James uh, Giannis. Powell, Powell had a good game, right? Okay. It's a doable lineup. But it was tough because if, if you're playing double stud like this, you're going to have to take on some low, some, some low scoring player that ended up low scoring on the slate, like a Caruso. So it gave you less of a ceiling, a little bit less. So 10 points off first. But here's like petty theft over here. LeBron. Siakam, Van Vliet, Powell, like a lot of Toronto. There's like all of Toronto. LeBron, Bagley, Bielitsa, Hero. Okay. Doable. These are doable lineups. But that's why I like looking through results DB. And seeing, you know, where where people went. But it was obvious with Bielitsa. Like I, was, I wasn't playing Largeville GPPs yesterday. But I had I had 60 lineups. Like I would have been went into the rebuild tool for at Roto the lineup HQ rebuilder, and basically just like wherever Bielitsa could fit, just fit him in. You could fit him in, just fit him in, just whatever, whatever it could be. He was what thirty eight hundred. He was he was under four thousand, and I would say like wherever he could fit, fit him in, and whatever Joseph get him out. Maybe you don't X out Joseph because you still need someone that you know in guard spots. But yeah, but that would that would that would have been my first instinct for GPPs. I mean, obviously in cash games, I play I played Bielitsa, right? Cash games were good yesterday. Got back up all time high. Oh, Bitcoin's at an all time high. 
my cash gains are at an all-time high. They're not, they're not, they're not correlated. I don't have any Bitcoin. But we're doing, we're doing, getting there on all the sites. We're in the green on all the sites. Still not in the target win rate, but getting there close. FanDuel's doing well. But yeah, yesterday was Yahoo that was the dud, right? Could have swept, but no. Basically, DraftKings 57% return, FanDuel 67% return, and Yahoo. <laughs> Minus 94%. But still, all-time high. We're at an all-time high here. See, it goes up, it goes down. Wait till the end of the season. Let me look through the YouTube chat if you got any questions or any talking points for last night. Any good lines that you made. Joe Adamo says, on a three-day heater, let's keep it going. Okay, let's keep it going. As, as, as long as you're not in my contests. I'll always say, I, wa- I want to win first, right? Me, I come first. And then you, then you, if I don't win, great, then you win. Or if you're in a contest that I'm not even in, great. Win that, win that contest all you want. Well, I'm rooting for myself first. Can't blame me. Keith Espinoza asked, how big a mistake was it not playing Whiteside in DK Cash last night? Well, I mean, it turned out fine for you. But he was he was a million percent owned. Like, who else would you have played? Like, let's take a look at what would Cash yesterday on a three-game slate. I mean, it's going to be high variance as it is. Let's find something. With the double-up single-entry 20 to one of these, something like this. Let's see. 460. Yeah, it was 85% owned. He scored 68. Didn't, he didn't get there. Snowflake. But yeah, I mean, I would I would assume if 85% of the field played him and you didn't, you made a mistake. Even though you you probably you probably profited from that mistake. But when you see someone that's 85%, you, you probably screwed up. You probably, probably. Like when, when if, if 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 you didn't play uh, like Bryn Forbes, it's like okay, that's not a, that's not a mistake, right? Oh, I didn't play DeAndre Bembry. It's like okay, I guess you could have played someone else. You know, when you don't play the highest on guy and eighty five percent in cash games, you, you, you probably a mistake. You'd have to think, unless everyone else is delusional. It's a three game slate, so I mean, like I. I, I can understand, like, even even if we take a look at, uh, I can't even go back there, great. I should have opened up a new window. I was gonna go back to the other contest. Some people went under on, on Whiteside, which made sense. He was, he was, I think in GPP, he was over-owned. So if you wanted to make non-Whiteside lineups in GPP, I, that was perfectly fine, great leverage point. He's gonna be the highest owned guy. Okay, I get it. He's a wide range of outcomes. Perfectly fine. He's coming off the bench. His minutes aren't even that secure. And he's going to be the chalkiest guy in the slate. So if you're going to find leverage, find it there. Great. Fade white side and basically do whatever you want. But I think in cash games, you just play him. Daily Fantasy Nutjob says, on short slates, do you think it's better to EV to just use the sports book? 
No, not necessarily. It depends. If you're a losing player, yes, then I would agree with that. If you're a losing DFS player, you'd be much better off just betting on sports. Because what's the worst case scenario? You're getting like efficient, you're getting fairly efficient lines. Right? So basically you're betting betting on coin flips and you're paying a VIG for betting on coin flips. Okay, but a lot of times in DFS, if you're bad at it, there are worse odds. So so no. So I, I would I would say that if, if you're bad, bet on sports. But if you're good, why not? Play shorts. Who cares? Going through the YouTube chat. Rob Rodriguez says, is it just me or cash more difficult on DK? It's, I think the, the margins on DK are smaller, but the fields on FanDuel are, are softer. I think that's a better way of putting it. It's easier to make big mistakes on FanDuel. It's hard to make big mistakes on DraftKings because the pricing is so much tighter. So if you're playing cash games, for instance, on, on DraftKings last night, you probably had to play someone like DeAndre Bembry or Corey Joseph or Alex Caruso. You had to. Like it was optimal to do so. On DraftKings, you don't, you, you, on FanDuel, you normally don't have to. Obviously, a three-game slate's a little bit different. But I mean, if we even take a look at, like I'll bring up, for instance, FanDuel today and Yahoo and whatever. Just based on our 958. Let's see, I'll reload it just to just to see. Okay, we got nine say it, 958. So if I just run the optimal based on our 958 projections, we see look, Chesson Randall is in it. Right? A 3K punt, the backup point guard for Orlando. Bembry. Right, Osman, Willie Hernan Gomez, Adams. I'm assuming we're projecting Adams out in these projections. I'm assuming, yeah. So in order to build a lineup with like Jokic, Giannis, you know, like this type of lineup, you're gonna have to play some questionable guys. I mean, that's just the tightness of DK's pricing. But you go to FanDuel, you do the same thing. Less so. At least Carter Williams starts, right? Cam Reddish. J. Michael Green. You get Giannis and Jokic here. But it, you're not playing as questionable as like, do I really want to play that guy? I know Middleton. Middleton's been sucking. But you take a look at this line. This line feels better because the pricing is softer. Pricing is much tighter on DraftKings. But for that reason, on FanDuel, it's much, it's, it's much easier to make a mistake because the pricing is soft. So bad players, if you go off what in cash games, off the value, you don't realize that, you know, Jetty Osmond at 4,200 is probably, I mean, let me take a look here. Right, Osmond is 37% smash at that price with uh, Torian Prince out. Like Van Vliet in the shooting guard spot for, for what, 8K against the Timberwolves? 
Right. Like if, if you're not, if you're not on the, the value, the value on FanDuel, like you, it, it's very hard. So one, you can make big mistakes on FanDuel and cash games. And DraftKings, it's hard to because like everyone's stuck in the spot. Like, uh, oh, I didn't play Chess and Randall. So let's say instead of you playing Chess and Randall, I'm going to X him out. Chasson, it's the name Chasson, Chasson Randall. I'm going to X him out and I'm running again. Now I got Fournier in there. If he's going to even play. Capella, Willie Hernan go like a lineup. Okay, this looks a little bit better, but you still got Gallo in there. But like, what's the difference between Gallo and like Garrett Temple or something, right? Garrett Temple is projected for 22. This is 23. Like, the, it's like a point difference. Bembry instead. And you build, like, there's so many different types of lineups that of, of efficiently priced cheaper guys. That's like, oh, oh, if I don't play Gallo, I play someone else. Is That's not as much of a mistake. The pricing is much more efficient on DraftKings, which means the types of lineups, as long as you're within, you know, one point of the optimal or whatever, like there's not, it's hard, it's hard to make a mistake. Oh, well, I'm off, I'm off completely, right? You know, you could be a 4v4 and still, and still be competitive in cash games on DraftKings, which makes it harder. FanDuel, like, I don't know. You take a look at some of the lineups and some of these double ups, some of these 50 fifties and you go, how do they come up with that? And you see some of that in DraftKings also, but to me, that's the main difference. It's easier. It's, it sounds weird to say, well, well, I do better on FanDuel than on DraftKings. Like it's, it feels it's hard on DraftKings. Yeah. Because you're making mistakes. Like the very slight, very slight things like this could be the, it's the variance of one slate. I played this guy and you played that guy and whatever. That's why it seems hard. And FanDuel doesn't seem as hard because it's like, how do do people not play that guy? And then you see that in cash games, he's 78% owned. And you're like, well, 78% owned, that's pretty high. It's like, that means 22% of your 50-50 didn't play him. All right, you go, sometimes sometimes you, you look... With 92% owned. And you go, okay, that's pretty much everyone. Yeah, it still means 8% of people didn't play them. They pretty much said, I don't like money. I'm going to burn it. You don't get that often on, on, on draft teams where, where you get, you know, guys that are, they're so like must play territory in cash games that you don't see them in like everyone's line, everyone's line. So to me, that's the difference. Let's see. Stress one asks, how often do you withdraw your money on the sites? Whenever you want. I don't, I don't leave a ton of money. I mean, I depends on what you consider a ton of money. You could deposit in and out as much as you want. The only reason that you shouldn't leave a ton of money on, on the sites is, is not because they're going to go insolvent and you're going to lose it all, right? It's not like poker. It's not like online poker and Black Friday. I have no problem. The DraftKings or FanDuel having having the funds. It's more the fact that you don't get any interest from it. So if you have enough for, you know, a week's worth of play, I think that's fine. Then withdraw. Put it into into something. 
mean, that's not DFS related, whatever. Put it in a money market account even. I mean, it barely pays anything, but I mean, it's something. You'd rather get a half a percent interest than just leave it there. DraftKings and FanDuel are getting that interest because it's like they're not, they're just not sitting, they're not sitting in a room with your money. Just like it's on a couch somewhere, right? It's not under the bed at DraftKings headquarters. It's in an account somewhere earning interest, but they're getting the interest. You're not getting the interest. So if they offered you interest on it, then I'd say, okay, leave it in. I've even actually suggested that, that they should, they should give you the interest, which promotes the fact that you should keep the money on the sites. So maybe that helps helps you play more contests, maybe. I don't know. But that's the main reason why I would draw. I'll put it in money market account, put it in a brokerage account, put it in IRA, whatever, if I'm not maxed out there. Someplace where it could earn something. You have, you have the money. Depends on how much money it is. Uh, Michael Papadopoulos. In a single entry 50 person GPP, would you enter an optimal lineup like you do for cash games? Would you seek the minimum amount of leverage? How about a hundred person GPP? A single entry 50 person? Yeah, you could. I mean, as part of, as part of your allocation. But I mean, truthfully, you should, I mean, truthfully. Truthfully, you should, uh, let's see, hold on. I'm just getting distraction. There's something going on in my house. Uh, truthfully, you should just make a 2v2, just whatever, just flip something. You don't need that much leverage in a 50-person, 100-person GPP. You don't, right? So you can take your optimal lineup and go 2v2. Where do, where do I find leverage? The easiest place to find leverage is the, the highest-owned guy. And if you want to just do that, he was like, who is the highest on guy in the lineup? Take him out. And then whatever fits, that's a good lineup. Or you could do the opposite. Oh, let's see. Max Berman. For a casual DFS player like myself who hand builds a couple of lines when late crashes happen, I often find myself scrambling and confusing myself even further. Less lineup? Yeah, sure. Then build less lineups. Let's see, going through. Let's get going through the GP, going through questions. Hold on. Let's see, going through the YouTube chat. Going through Shane Newman. Do you play optimal lineup for cash games in different sports during NBC, NBA season? Or do you primarily focus on one sport at a time? No, you can play multiple sports. If you're playing cash games. How, how, how much, how much, how much, hold on.
Okay. Back. In a delivery or something, I have no idea what's going on. But what was the question? Let's see. Yeah, you can play multiple sports. I mean, why not? I play football. I play basketball. I play baseball. Comes back. I play baseball. GPP perspective, maybe. It's kind of hard to do that when baseball and basketball are overlapping. Obviously, football's on Sunday. Like, like on Sunday, like it's football time. Like I rarely play basketball. But if you can play cash games, it's one, it's one lineup. You, you, could, you could do that. It's perfectly fine. What's wrong with that? Most of the time, you're, you're, you're leaning on projections anyway. So just build your lineup and enter contest, and you're done. Okay. Going through Brandon Stinson. Blender, you're my can't-miss-DFS show daily. Oh, thank you. I know you do the Saturday night sometimes, and any chance to do a Sunday show? All, no, I'm not. What? I'm, I'm not. I'm not a... I, I need days off myself. What's the point? I say the same things all the time. By most of most of the time, most of the time I'm just repeating myself. So now I need to be on it Saturday and Sunday too. For what reason? I need a day off, Brandon. Monday through Friday at eleven o'clock Eastern. What's wrong with that? Uh, someone's asking me if I played PGA this weekend. No, I haven't played. I haven't played golf since since all the other sports died. Right. It's COVID time. But PGA, I, I, I think PGA is a sport where you could play, I mean, two hours on a Wednesday, you build your lineups and you're done. You could. You could do that. And then you just set it and forget it. And I mean, what? But once they're all, there's no late swap in PGA unless, unless you play the showdowns and things like that. I just don't get around. PGA is my worst sport. I mean, I, mean, I, I play the large field GPP. So like I'm going nuts. And then some chalk guy wins and uh, all my lineups are dead. So I haven't played, I haven't played PGA since, I don't know, July or whatever, whenever all the sports, when the golf came back and MMA came back and that was the only thing that was going on, Korean baseball. Then I played a while, while you know, I played PGA before I played NBA. I thought I could handle it, right? Because it's just like once a week, it's fine. Soccer, MLB, PGA. But no, but I have I've not played a PGA contest in, in a while. Ronald Coley, when you decide to fade a guy with high ownership, are you particularly looking to get someone with a similar projection in the same salary range from the you're looking, Ronald, it's about lineups. You're not going to be able to find that. You're a mythical guy. I want to find someone that has the same projection as the guy that everyone's going to play. And somehow they're not playing that guy. Like that doesn't exist. The guy's going to be 70% owned because he projects X for that salary. There's not going to be some other guy that's the same projection, same salary, and be 2% owned. So somehow everyone has collective delusion and forgot about that guy. No, they're always going to be lower. They're going to be lower projected at the same salary range. But you're, you're building lineups. Always come back. If you're asking a question about a player, you're thinking about DFS wrong. DFS is not about players. We don't play with players. We play with lineups. So I look at this lineup. I'm looking at this lineup in, in its entirety. So if I go back to DraftKings, right? We, we, we didn't, we knock, we knock Justin Randall out of the pool, right? I'm looking at this whole lineup. Is Osmond a good play? 
in this lineup? How does he fit in this lineup? So I look here, Willie Hernan Gomez. I don't have ownership, so it's hard to it's hard to judge anything at this point. Am I going to be able to find someone for thirty nine hundred that scores that has a median of twenty six point five seven? No. Let's go down to the thirty nine hundred dollar players. All right, Willie Hernan Gomez twenty six. Terrence Mann two. Garrett Temple twenty two. Desmond Bain, 19. Danny Green, 19. You're not going to find anywhere close to 26. Scroll down here. So it's not a matter of, oh, I can play this lineup, just not Willie Hernan Gomez. I'm playing someone else. No, you're playing a different lineup. By X out Willie Hernan Gomez, it's not going to replace him with another $3,900 player with a five-point less projection. It's going to change the rest of your lineup in its entirety. So if I take out Willie Hernan Gomez and run this, right? You get Temple now. Temple, Bembry, Van Vliet. So get Randall in this lineup. Let's say, let's say we, we get rid of, uh, we get rid of Bembry. It's not going to replace him with a $3,100. Let's say we get rid of Bembry and Randall. You know what's going to end up happening? We're, we're probably not going to have Giannis and Jokic in this lineup. I'm going to get rid of those two. Right? There you go. No, no Jokic anymore. Get Giannis, Hart, Bain, small forward eligible. Fournier, if he ends up, who knows if Fournier ever plays again. But you see the lineup changes because there aren't cheap other cheap guys that project well enough that gives you Jokic plus Giannis. And let's say we get rid of, let's say we get rid of Jokic and Giannis. We get rid of both of them. Jokic and Giannis. I'm going to assume we're going to see a little bit more of a balance build. A little bit more. So you get Tatum. You get no one under, no one over 10K. Capella, Van Vliet, Tatum, Siakam. Oh, look, 279. We eliminated the cheap guys and the, the expensive guys. 279 projection. I could include them all in. 289. So you're giving up 10 points. A median by getting rid of all of those guys. If we just get rid of like the cheapy guys like Randall and Bembry. 287. So not much change. Still got Hernan Gomez in there. Let's say get rid of Hernan Gomez. Now we're down to 282. Okay, so Hernan Gomez actually makes more, more of a difference than Randall and Bembry, who are at this time, three hours from now, this guy's out, this guy's in, whatever, and we don't have to play. We don't have to even think, who cares about Chas and Randall and DeAndre Bembry, right? Just right now, as of the projections right now. But that's that's all you're doing is you're taking a look. It's not a matter of how do I find a player that's similarly projected to Willie Hernan Gomez? There, there is going to be no one. You're not just making 1v1 substitutions. You're building full lineups. I constantly say this. You don't play players in DFS. You play lineups in DFS. Well, I want to I want to I want to play Jokic, uh, Giannis and, and Joel Embiid together. How do I do that? Like how do, is it possible even? Yeah, you have to play Randall, McCoy, Osman and Augustine together. Oh, but I also want to play Curry. 
Like now you can't, you, this is going to break. There's no, it's right. There's no lineups, right? Four 10K players. You, you just can't do it. So it's like, oh, well, I don't want to play chess and Randall. Well, then you have to make a consolation somewhere. Can't play Jokic and Giannis together. But I want to play Jokic and Giannis together. Well, then is that the best lineup for the contest that you're playing? Maybe not. Yeah, but I think Jokic is going to have a good game, and I think Giannis is going to have a good game. So, they don't. If they don't build your high win equity lineups, then pick one. You can't play both of them. I don't know which one to pick. Whichever one you want. Obviously, Jokic only fills center. Giannis fills the power forward and center. So more likely, Giannis is going to be a little bit more owned because he could fit more slots. So take that into account. What do those lineups look like? Not who do I play? What do those lineups look like? What contest are you playing first? Am I playing small field? Am I playing large field? What am I doing? It's a payout structure. How much leverage do I need to win those types of contests? Then let me take a look at lineups. They contain players, but you care about the lineup. Going through the YouTube chat for Casual Friday. Hopefully we don't have to play Chas and Randall. I hope not. Bembry. Bembry, I mean, if Lowry's out again, at least Bembry may start. Maybe it'll do something this time. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Send me kosher production says, I guess you received my case of apple juice. No, you didn't send me it. Do you know where I live? My wife got apple juice for me. Jacob Calloway asks, is there a metric to look at to determine the fragility of a player aside from the standard deviation? No, that, I mean, that's exactly what you'd look at. The fragility in the projection also is minutes because you're going to have to, you're going to have to allocate minutes 240 minutes to the entire team. But obviously there are situations that are fragile. A guy could start. Look at the other day, Mo Wagner starts and he's gone. Three minutes, he comes out of the game and you never see him again. Is that ever going to happen to Bradley Beal on the Wizards? Probably not. It's less likely to happen to a guy not making a spot start. Like even Bielitsa yesterday. Bielitsa could have easily played the first six minutes of the game, and then never played again. Same for the white side yesterday. Who knows? Maybe he closes, maybe he doesn't close. Maybe they go small, maybe they go big. Especially in these unknown situations where this guy's out, that guy's in. If all the guys are healthy and everything is like, you can practically predict that. We've seen their rotations, okay. The minutes, for, the minutes allocation is going to be narrower but on cases where oh, Larry's out then Bembry starts okay it could have been Terrence Davis I mean OG OG was in and Powell was in I mean Bembry could have easily just played 12 minutes you could have also played 30 minutes how do we know who knows so that that's the fragility that's 
new player, new role, spot player, doesn't have a track record. It's not like Fran Van Vliet's minutes allocation is going to be fragile. As long as the game's close, he's probably going to play with no Lowry. He's probably going to play 36 minutes, right? Something like that. Siakam, he's going to play plenty. There's going to be less fragility on those projections. Spot guys, Chaston Randall, right? We have, uh, based on on this, what? We have Chaston Randall at uh, 19 minutes. That could easily be 12, right? That could easily be 12. It could also be 25. Because you have Michael Card-Williams starting. Who knows? Who knows what happens? So that 19 minutes. Like if it ends up being 12, don't, don't complain. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, he's the backup point guard. What do you expect? Michael Carter-Williams plays 34 minutes. And Randall plays 14. That's well, that's, that, that's the fragility of it. But it could also be the other way. You play Michael Carter-Williams and Michael Carter-Williams plays 20, 24 and, and Randall plays 24. It could be that. When it comes to like Vooch on the Magic, you don't have to worry about Vooch. His minutes are going to be as, they can play him as much as they possibly can. So that that's what the fragility of the minutes more so than the fragility of the actual, I mean, the, the projection, I mean, you need to put in minutes to get a projection. But you're not going to see much fragility on Tony Snell, those types of players. On the minutes, like, oh, okay, he could play 34 minutes and do nothing. P.J. Tucker. Oh, P.J. Tucker will play 36 minutes and get me seven fantasy points. The fragility of their projection is more in their usage, not in the minutes. I guess if he's hitting corner threes and they're passing him the ball, then P.J. Tucker could put up a 30-point game, get some rebounds. Sure. But if he starts, he's, his minutes are secure. But his usage isn't. Jason D asks, do you see any value in looking at results DB for helping in FanDuel construction, even though it devol- involves DK pricing? No. If you just play FanDuel, the, the two games are so different. Different pricing, different roster constructions. Someone that's popular on one site is not going to be popular on another site. That could, you know, I mean, you could learn about leverage or whatever. You could see, oh, but I mean, relating it to the specific players, it's not going to matter. You can't play You can't play two centers on FanDuel. You have to play two small forwards. It's a, it's, to me, it's they're different games. Looking at what's going on on, on results DB here, like, like you didn't have to play Whiteside on FanDuel. You could have played Kelly Olenek. You didn't. You could have played Giannis and LeBron together, or not together. I mean, there's so many, so many different ways to go on on FanDuel. That like related, like you didn't have to play Alex Caruso on FanDuel. You didn't have to. Like Caldwell Pope was a much better play on FanDuel than he was on DraftKings. Based on the positional scarcity. The shooting guard was, other than like Van Vliet, unless you paid up for Harden, shooting guard wasn't that great of a position on FanDuel yesterday. But you're not going to be able to relate that by looking at just the stuff on DraftKings. So from a strategic standpoint, yes, if you play on both sites and you could look through results DB for DraftKings, sure, okay. 
it'll cement the concepts in your head and you could just take those concepts and do the same thing on FanDuel. It's just going to be, it's going to be with different players in different directions. The ownership's going to be different. Guys highly owned in one place and not as highly owned in another place, just based, based on how the line construction works there. Let's see. Put in your last minute questions for casual Friday. Hit those dummy thumbs. Make sure the apple juice is cold. I don't know if we're, are we going to even, but I mean, we talked a little bit about today's slate, right? Based of, as of now, when Chas and Randall is potential value, that's how many, how many games are on this slate? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, nine. Okay. I don't, that just means there's going to be like 17 things that happened before lock that we couldn't have possibly predicted, right? That's what's going to happen. I mean, look, even on a three-game slate yesterday, we had Lowry out and then Schroeder, Schroeder, Schroeder. He's out. So anything could happen. Jupocalypse says, I'm almost jealous of the guys just starting out in DFS and stumble onto this. Took me five years to get it, LOL. Well, you get it now, Jupocalypse. You get it. I see answering stuff in the YouTube chat. You're almost like a little moderator in there answering people's questions, especially the ones that I answer all the time. Peter Ortenberg says, if you're looking for leverage, do you try to keep the switch at the same position? No, you're playing lineups. I keep on saying this. You're playing lineups. If you didn't play white side yesterday, that doesn't mean, oh, well, I'm going to replace white side with another center. Well, I mean, you can play Bagley at center. There are power forwards that are center eligible on, on DraftKings. You're playing a different lineup construction. So it's not just a matter of replacing Whiteside and putting someone else there. I'm going to replace Whiteside and put Olenek. I mean, you can. You can. But you're looking like, how do I make my lineup better and different? High projection, low ownership. If that involves me switching three other guys then that's what it does. Then that's what it is. So it's not a matter. I don't look, I don't look through here. Like with Willie Hurd and Gomez, I'm not going, okay, I'm, I'm not going to play Winnie, Willie Hurd and Gomez. And I'm going to look for another center at 3,900. So instead of Willie Hurd and Gomez, I'm going to play, I'm going to play Brooke Lopez at 4,200. I mean, you can, he's $300 more. I mean, you could, but that's not how you should think about it. Think about what what do Willie Hernan Gomez lineups look like, and how do I get different from Willie Hernan Gomez lineups? Not that it's a one v one, so my whole lineup is better. It may involve having Brooke Lopez and Sandy, right? Good, right? Or Daniel Tice or something like that. Sure, okay, could it could, but don't feel so narrow. Don't feel don't get so focused in on oh I like my lineup and then I'm going to replace one guy. Well, your lineup isn't done until all the players are in it. Like I said, it's about lineups. I don't think in terms of players. I think in terms of lineups. Build 20 lineups. I'm looking at lineups. This lineup, that lineup, this lineup. Not the players that are in the lineup, just the lineups. 
This may be a good lineup. That may be a good lineup. What happens if I do this? How, give me lineups that don't contain that guy in it. Give me lineups that do contain that guy in it. Let me look at the full lineup. Does the lineup have players that may negatively correlate with one another a little? Reduce my ceiling. Well, maybe I split them apart. But I'm not picking players. Just so happens that Everett Fournier is in the lineup, and that doesn't mean I like him or don't like him. That Pat Connaughton's in this lineup with Giannis. Okay. Oh, that means you think Pat Connaughton's going to do well. No, but he just fits in this lineup with this projection and that ownership, which we don't have currently. I mean, I repeat this all the time. I show you exactly what it is. Rob Rodriguez says, when you try building a balanced build to gain leverage from stars and scrubs or vice versa, is there an efficient way to do so with line of HQ? I just showed you. Are you trying to make balanced builds? Well, then use player groups to group out. I don't want to play Giannis and Jokic together, right? You don't want to do that. Maybe. Or you take one guy and you run 20 and you pick a couple of lineups and then you run the other guy, you pick a couple of lineups there, right? And we don't play Giannis and Jokic in the same lineup. Run 20 lineups. Here we go, 10,800, 10,800. We get a, probably a ton of Hernan Gomez, Van Vliet, Giannis, right? Let's say you want to just eliminate all the 10K guys. I mean, you could just do that. You don't even need groups. Let's go over here and go boop, 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 boop. I'll get rid of But there's only three of them. Build 20 lineups or whatever. Here you go. Here's a balanced lineup. Garland, Fournier, Osman, Grant, Capella, Van Vliet, Middleton, Hernan Gomez. There you go. You're done. 284.449. You don't have any ownership information here, but there you go. There's there's the lineup. That's it. You're done. You're done. There's no what 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 else would I be looking at? Garland, Van Vliet, Bemery, Osman, Capel. I mean, here's Curry. Curry's out. We don't have. Where's Curry? Curry should shouldn't be in here. What happened to Curry? Oh, because I only had the centers. Okay, so get rid of Curry. So no 10K players. What does that second lineup look like now? So we get Tatum, get Harden, Hern Gomez together, Garland, Osmond, Kemba. Kemba's in this lineup. Draymond. There's one with Temple, Osmond. Okay, so these are more balanced. These are more balanced builds. Van Vliet, Siakam, and Bemery, all three of them together. Mm, I guess that's. Uh, I guess you could do it. But there you go. These these are what the lineups look like. Pick a lineup. Oh, I like this lineup. There you go. You play it. It's as simple as that. I, I don't know. I don't know how much simpler can I get. How do you build balanced lineups? Well, you take out the take out the guys that are high priced guys and see what the lineups look like that don't have them in it. And we look 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 at these projections: two eighty four, two eighty four, two eighty three, two eighty three. 
right? So you're getting 283s, 284s. If we put them back in, in the player pool, include all, and build, it's 289. So you're giving up like five points. Which is fine for GPP. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Have fun. Which out of, which out of those lineups should you play? Well, any of them. Whichever ones you feel like. You want to play Juan Toscano Anderson? Do you not want to play him? Well, then don't play this lineup. You have some, you have some uh, aversion to playing Bojan Bogdanovic? Well, I mean, this lineup is ju just as good, pretty much, as, right? 282.41, 282.26. How much of a difference? 0.15? So play this one. There you go. Done. I can't play Bojan. Okay, then don't play Bojan. Play this lineup then. The one with Garrett Temple. Lineups. Lineups, not players. I can't play Josh Hart. Then don't play him. Then find a lineup that's around 282 that doesn't have Josh Hart in it. Here we go. Here's one that doesn't have Josh Hart in it. You play this lineup instead. You're trying to build as many of those types of lineups as you can. But that's your strategy for the slate. Travis Ratliff asks, how much percentage of ownership is too much off the optimal lineup for the build? It depends on the contest that you're in. There's no such thing as too much or too little. It's all going to be in relation to what the ownership is in lineups that are more likely to be in the contest versus not likely to be in the contest. It's likely not to be 10. I'm going to play eight 1% on guys. Yeah, that's probably too low. Most likely, if you're putting eight one percent on guys together, the projection is going to be God knows how low. It's all in relation to the slate. That's why when you ask, like, how much ownership do you try to stay under? There's there's no number. You could actually have high ownerships. There are lineups that have extremely almost as much ownership as my cash lineup that are great for large field GPPs. You go, how is that possible? Well, picture a cash lineup with seven 50% owned guys and one 0.2% owned guy. And that 1.2% owned guy goes off for 50 points. That lineup wins, wins $100,000. Has a communal of ownership of 300, what I mean, 400 something, really high, but has enough leverage because it has the very low owned one nothing percent on guy. Do you make a many of those lineups? It all depends on the slate. So the communal of ownership in and of itself doesn't, that's a guideline. Well, that's why I say if you if you fade if you fade the highest owned guy, like you automatically know that you have enough leverage. Right? If you fade white side yesterday, like it's almost impossible not to make a lineup that has. 50 points less ownership because you're not playing white side in it. You find lineups that have a decent enough projection and you're, and you're good. It's when you're playing him and some of the chalkier options of like, how do I get different enough? And obviously if you're playing six chalk guys and two 1% on guys, you're good. But you typically two, one those two, those 1% on guys are not projected very well. You're going to need a very outlier performance out of them, but it's still possible. 
That's why you need to think in terms of lineups. Most of these questions have to deal with players and not with lineups. Jason D says, in your GPP Roto Academy video, you explained getting leverage with Cat because he was matched against Gobert and his ownership would be low. Was that based solely on projection? Yeah. I think that's a, that was a video from a long time ago. I mean, his ownership was probably low. I mean, that was the time, I don't know, do people think to go bear is a good defensive player anymore? Because people have these narratives in their head. Can't play, can't, I can't play centers against Embiid. Why not? Look at the projection, the project, everything, everything's in, everything's in the numbers. But then they'll go lower on because of it. Can't play this guy against that guy. Okay. Well, thank you for lowering his ownership for no apparent reason. That's really what it comes down to. It's like, I'm still just looking at the projections. But people like, oh, you can't play this guy against that team. Or, oh, did, oh they give up a ton of points to this, and it's the opposite way. Got to play centers against the Nets. And then they get over-owned for no apparent reason other than a talking point. That may be correct. It's already weighed in the projections. So you shouldn't be just thinking on that on top of it. Uh, is there a current promo code for the theory of DFS masterclass? No. There's a reason why this, I don't give out promo codes. Should you be able to guess what the reason is? It's a 15 hour audio masterclass. It teaches you the entire game theory of daily fantasy sports, no matter what you play. These concepts are all in there. It's a one-stop shop, it's structured education. You don't have to watch this show every day and get pieces here and pieces there. And what does he mean by that? Just get that, it's $125. There's no promo code. Oh, no, no, I have to give you a $10 promo code. Is it not? Oh, so 115 is worth it. 125, eight. When people give out promo codes and stuff, like $10 off your first month for Roto-Grinders Premium, it devalues the product. So for your first month, you could get $10 off Roto-Grinders Premium. But truthfully, I think Roto-Grinders Premium is wildly underpriced, wildly underpriced. If I was, if I didn't work here, I, I would, I would legitimately pay four hundred dollars a month for Roto Grinders, legitimately, no problem. Snap. Just for the projections, hell, I'd, I'd play four hundred dollars a month just for the projections. So forty bucks a month. I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's it's insane that it's that cheap. It's nuts. So the same way, same way with the course. It's 125 bucks. If you think it's worth it, get it. If you don't, then don't get it. If I have to, if I have to give you ten dollars off or something for the for the course, then how good is the course? I don't I don't I don't need I don't need to be that desperate. It's 125 bucks. Take it or leave it. End of story. There you go. Done. Just bluntly put it forward. That's the price. You could buy it or not. Oh, it's a little too much. Then don't buy it. Same thing for rotor grinders. Oh, I think $40 a month is too much. And then, then, then okay, then don't have it. 
Don't don't you don't get the projections. You don't get you don't get everything. Okay, then fine. Go go out on your own and do it yourself. That's what I said. Four hundred dollars a month for a projection model? Are you kidding me? It'll take me three years to get to this point. If I did it, if I started now and I built my own model to get it to be as good as Rotogrinders models are, it'll take me three years. So I'll just pay for it. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that's a that, that, the proper investment choice. Then we get the Cardi stuff, like the bat when we have a uh, baseball coming up. Like, dude, I'll never be as good at modeling as Cardi. I'll just pay him for it. It's easy. It's an investment. Like I said, DFS to me is not fun and games and a hobby. It's 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 a way to make money. So I view everything as as an investment. So if I have to pay $40 a month as, as an expense, then that's the cost of doing business. Send me some apple juice. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll get a deal if you send me some apple juice. Or you hit the thummy thumbs. If you hit the thummy thumbs on your way out. Okie doke. So uh, we got we got a big slate coming up tonight. Who knows who's going to be in? Why we got Kawhi with a Q tag? Oh, Paul Georgie's even has a Q tag. Or does he have Q? Is that an O? Who knows? Who knows what happens? That that's that's a late game, right? Of course, it's the ten o'clock game. Of course, of course. And then with Toronto, the Toronto game's at nine o'clock. You know what's going to end up happening? Uh, they're gonna they're gonna say that Lowry is like questionable. Like we're not going to even know that, right? It's gonna it's gonna oh, it's gonna be crap. We'll get the Orlando. Okay, at least we get we get the Orlando news early, right? We'll get Cleveland there. We'll get Boston. Okay, but basically, Toronto and and the Clippers, right? It's gonna be one of those. Oh, everyone for the Clippers is out again for no apparent reason. T- Toronto, it'll be you know, Van Vliet. Van Vliet will be out, and Lowry will be in for no apparent reason, right? Some COVID protocol stuff. Who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows what's gonna happen tonight? But uh, we'll talk about it. Well, maybe not talk about this slate, but you know, I'll be back Monday. Monday, you know what happens on Monday. James McCool comes back on the show. Monday's with McCool. But uh, but I, I hope I hope you were able to get something out of out of today's show. This is what we did. This is what we do. There's not there's not as much structure on these shows as other shows. If you want to go to Grinders Live, Grinders Live Crunch Time tonight is free. Okay. It's free, absolutely free. We're just giving away stuff for free. I don't know why we're doing it. I advise against it. I think everything should be paid for. I don't even know why this show is free. Apparently it is. You get you get the benefit of it. So Grinders Live tonight at 5.30, crunch time afterwards for free, right after that. So hit that notification bell to know when this channel goes live, the Roto Grinders YouTube channel goes live. Hit the subscribe button if it's your first time here. Hit those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Then I'll see I'll see you on Monday on another edition of the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com. Oh,